is up, Internet. My least favorite part of the orange is the lid. My name is Matthew Kroll. And no harm, no foul. I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere. My name is Shahir Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Florida Project. Florida? 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 I mean, you just heard Florida. from the... from the. Flo. Listen, listen. we know that it's his house, okay? By this point, we know it's his house. Yeah. Can we just do a whole episode about Florida? I mean, I, I'm really could, into the that. cinematic endeavors of Florida. <laughs> well, we have we have someone even better than Mr. Rida in the room right now. Annie Gillies joining us. Now, th- I feel like this is the third time because the first <laughs> time you were on our, um, what was it, the Light Between the Oceans episode, mm-hmm. but you did that remotely. The second time was basically where we berated you for a, for an hour on the Mother episode. Which you yes. weren't there. Which you also, weren't there. side note, hello. She here just jumps into these things <laughs> when we have people. Hi, Annie. How are you? Hey, thanks for Th- having me, guys. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, yeah. Now, back to Shahir's question. Yeah, well, I was eventually going to get to that, but you know. <laughs> Here we go. Um, and so this is the first time you're in the room with us. Mm-hmm. How's, uh, how, how's it feel? <laughs> you know, I, I, get, I was telling, I think I told you like after, um, after I listened to the podcast, I was scared to listen to it because you told me that you were talking about me in it. Yep. Um, on the mother episode. Mother. On the mother, mother. Yeah, so, Because I did not like the movie. Yeah. And- and it was weird because we loved it. And I was like, I was yeah. thinking one of us was going to hate it, but no, but it all wasn't three of you were pointed like, to literally, me. <laughs> I, I told like Shahir was making it sound like he was like in love, like not like he loved the movie, like he loved the movie. Yeah, I was yes. in love with the movie. Like you I guys would. were drooling over it. And <laughs> yeah. so then like I listened to it and then all of a sudden I was like, maybe I should watch it again for about 10 seconds. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm, not I'm never it. seeing no, this film no, again. Because no, here's the deal. This is what I've said from this, from, from the beginning is I have no problem if you don't like the movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, that it is not a film for everyone, but uh, and I feel like you and maybe it, I'm putting words in your yeah. mouth. Feel free to take them you or spit them right back. The whole episode, whole episode. we did a whole episode, but, but uh, at least from a, um, I guess from a, uh, even though this, the the story that is being told. It, you did it did not connect with you and you dislike greatly but the, the but the craftsmanship behind the way the story is told i feel is something that from a from a, a media creative sort of standpoint you're just like holy crap no no what? definitely and like some of the shots those you know like all, all of that but it was just like as an overall package yeah. i didn't and the whole metaphor thing like i just you know mm-hmm. i i guess i don't like movies that <laughs> metaphors that i have to be constantly like thinking about yeah. I yeah. think this would relate to an email that you got this week uh, about Blade Runner. That is like, right. I think I think what we're, the conversation we're having right now would relate to an email. Sure. We got an email from a friend of the show, Jamie. Uh, she writes this. Uh, I'll just read the beginning and then I'll go into a couple of her points because it was it was a long email, but it was also very well written. While listening to your podcast, re Blade Runner 2049, I took notes on my own thoughts and wanted to email them in. I have heard encouraging blah, blah, blah. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Kroll did no, in no way pressured me to do this everything is fine. So yeah. I just wanted to you get don't that. Know, you don't know Jamie personally. No, oh, no, no not at all. Not We're at not all. dating at all. It's fine. Um, uh, no, we are. So uh, she had a couple points that she... Wait, uh, was that the official notice now? Like the, you, you just, you just sit it on the we're podcast. We're dating. You're dating you're, now. Yes. Uh, you're podcast you, official. We're podcast, podcast official. official. We are dating. Have you told her this? Uh, I'm pretty sure she knows. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying you've like, if you've, she, if you've she put does it, it there. now, then you've, yeah, you've put it out there. Yeah. Now. This is, there's no taking Technic- it back. Oh no, <laughs> not that <laughs> hanging out with fun people and being romantical with them. That's terrible. You never, you're never romantical with me. Uh, you're not anymore. <laughs> uh, the biggest wonder, uh, she writes, uh, if anyone has written, uh, she wondered if there was any speculation about um this the 
strings motif uh, Peter and the Wolf when Joy gets booted up. Right. Which which to me evoked um, a little bit of the, there was a movie that we saw with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, uh, a while back uh, where he's a porn addicted guy and like yeah. there's this motif whenever the computer uh, boots up you know like that that it's kind of like this form, it's almost like Pavlov sal- you know, salivating sure. kind of thing. Um, but but whether the motif of Peter the Wolf is actually relevant to this you know, I'm not too sure. I'm not well, actually she said- that familiar with that opera? She says, my first thought is of Joy's new ability to roam off of her tether or outside of the gate in Peter's case and her sense of bravery slash naivete uh, as she does. But her character's arc, if there is one or not, uh, makes her think there might be a different perspective on that. I'm actually not familiar enough with it either. Annie, are you? No, no. And I didn't want to watch the new one because I... Oh, you've right. seen Blade Runner. I did years ago, so I have to go back and watch the original oh, okay. first. Okay. Before I well, strike, so this, strike one on her questions. No, no, and also, Annie, you should like cover up your ears if we get into a spoiler for Blade uh, Runner. Let's see if okay. it does. It um, does. Okay, well, you know what? Then let's jump around here to one of the final things because I thought this was very interesting. Uh, one final uh, note slash problem. This is a minor spoiler. It will not say what exactly happens to when. Uh, Dear movie makers, she writes, please stop shooting women coldly in the head to trigger emotional responses for the viewer. It's a cheap and violent move that puts the female characters squarely in the object slash toolbox and belittles their own existence. And at this point is uncreative and tragically predictable as a choice. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, with a, the, the, I, I know the cliche she's talking about. And as soon as you think about it as a cliche, women in it the is, fridge. but, but, but I'm trying to think of like other movies that have done that where people, you know, they've shot point blank. I guess I'm not, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I do know that the, the cliche of using a woman as the character motivation for a man is very, very prototypical. And, and, you know, like, and, normally, and, reason- and violence towards women. I mean, if not being shot point blank in the head, there's a lot of like, Oh no, my wife was murdered or, yeah. Oh, this woman got beat up or like, there's all this, it becomes the, a, a trigger point. It becomes a trigger point for the man's journey as opposed to ever or mm. most of the time as opposed to focusing on the trauma happening to the woman. Which is why I thought it might be relevant to Mother because that's kind of uh, a major point in that movie. A major point of contention is that ah. one scene. Yes. Um, where, where which, is the, which is the one scene I think whenever anyone says they don't like Mother, they talk about that one scene. Well, it, ju- it just seemed um, just like it was too much. Like there was no point in that to me. Right. Like the way what they did. At Other than motivating Javier Bardem to like create Earth or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a great motivator. Yeah. I'm going to beat the shit out of Mother Earth. <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to, you but know. See, it's, it's interesting because, and 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 maybe if we discuss this, I don't know how long we will, but further I might change my mind. But initially for, for the scene we're talking about in Mother where uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is just brutally beaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point in the film, it is so far into allegory land yeah. where uh, you can look at it from two different spaces. One, it's like the worst possible thing that could happen to her at this point point in time uh, as uh, the Gaia or Earth figure or if you're just looking at it like yeah we're gratuitously showing a woman being beaten I I lean that to me is not this Mm-hmm. is not what this is because that at least whether or not we agree with the fact that we're actually being shown it has weight behind it and there's 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 reason in the script she's still the onus of the scene where she's getting beat to shit where the scene we're talking about in Blade Runner and a ton of other sort it's, of action yeah, slugs like, it's never about the woman it's like oh I'm gonna piss you off random hero guy bang and then they're like oh and that gives them the fuel to go forward and uh, the other film I'm thinking of where that happens is Mission Impossible 3 Tom Cruise. Oh, like, yeah. Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. That's or that's, almost, I just, I'm global. Yeah, a lot of movies. Yeah. yeah, like it's one of those things you can't even remember them, but you just know it happens. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's like, it's like, the one in the fridge. It's the fridge trope. 
What's the fridge? It's a it's a thing in story. I forget how it started, but it's it was it had to do with sort of horror movies or, or like stories where that have to do with the sort of thing where it's like a woman's murdered and they find her in a fridge. It was a schlock film that yeah. then turned her that turned this whole thing. It's women in fridges. If you look up women in fridges online, like <laughs> it's all this broken story trope of violence towards women to motivate male characters forward. Okay. All your listeners just tuned out to go You're to go Google. look up. Uh, well, <laughs> don't don't do an image fridges. search. Do a, do, a, do a doc search. <laughs> I'm not responsible for your IP history. Are no. we allowed to drink these beers yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Shahir, by the way. Uh, oh, thank you, Jamie, for writing it. Uh, and Shahir, you can write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod to continue writing us in. We appreciate all the emails. Please go to iTunes to review us as well. Yes, please get in contact with us. Stars are lovely on iTunes, and we'd love to have all of your stars. We want them all. Uh, we're about to drink this beer that Shahir graciously gave me that was a gift for someone else that he never could get to them. Is that correct? I was really trying. I know you were. No, no, no. I know. Really, no, no, really, really I know. Um, but, uh, it's it's craft beers from last year. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking. Write uh, us in and tell us if, you're, if you're a beer expert. Let us know if we are slowly drinking ourselves to like um, some sort of physical uh, ailment at this point. No, these are ailments. Beers, Did so. you just say ailments? <laughs> yeah. What? What? what oh. Yeah. Yeah. There you know is. what? It's a little slow on the uptake. Yeah. I just got um, it. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking so much beer, I don't even know what I'm saying. This Christmas Belgian ale is a delight. Really? It yeah. tastes good? Yeah. If my, anyone would like to try it. My Belgian Flores apple is also a delight. Yeah. The <laughs> Humalone ale, Allagash. Allagash. Yep. Allagash. Uh, you know, these are three beers that no character in this film that we're going to review would ever <laughs> drink, by the way. No, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, They're Budweiser all the way. Uh, but, uh, oh, wow. BLs, BL Platts, BL Platts, BL Lights, Bud Heavies. Bud Heavies. Bud Heavies. What's a Okay, this is a regular Budweiser. I'm not yeah. much of a beer drinker. No, well, now you're drinking some apple. But some I apple am beer. a moviegoer, and movies I like to go see are movies by a filmmaker named Sean Bacon. Now, he's only made, well, and this Sean is, Baker. He's an interesting it's thing. It's your review day. <laughs> nope, we're not doing Okay. Nope, nope, nope. Sean Baker is a filmmaker that came to my attention a couple of years ago because of a, a film he made called Tangerine, which was produced by um, the Duplass brothers and was famously known for, for being shot entirely on an iPhone. Shot, uh, entirely on an iPhone 5S, um, walking, uh, basically taking place on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood somewhere, uh, frequented by transsexual prostitutes. And the film basically follows uh, uh, a young uh, woman who is trying to find out who her boyfriend has been cheating on her with. Um, and, it, and it had this sort of like... Again, it was famous for being shot on an iPhone, but it was it was also frenetic and and it actually used the iPhone format really well. And it was and and it was one of those films that managed to transcend the story around the film. You know, so uh, you know maybe another film like that would be Memento, where you know it's like oh this film is told backwards, but it's actually a really good movie. Same thing with Tangerine, which was that oh this is a film shot on an iPhone, but it's a really good movie. It doesn't matter that it's shot on an iPhone. The fun fact about that that I didn't realize is that when you hear a story like it's shot on an iPhone. Phone, you think about, oh, this must be some young filmmaker's first foray into the industry. This is actually his third feature film at mm. that point. Oh, actually his fourth feature film at that point. And, and this is his fifth. So um, Sean Baker has been a guy who's kind of been floating under the radar. And there's a really interesting article right now on Wealth Simple, uh, a new website that I've been reading that you've probably been seeing ads for on your Facebook feed, which is where I got it. Okay. Um, talking about how Sean Baker is, you know, has basically paid... Uh, paid for all of his movies himself at this point, with the exception of Starlet. Which might explain the iPhone-ness. <laughs> well, 
The, the I'm thing, not saying it's not art, artfully done, but that would explain some of it. No, I guess the point I'm getting to is that there are a lot of filmmakers that we particularly review on the on the show where, you know, they've had that one breakout hit and mm-hmm. they've basically done it, you know, like it's the second or third movie or something like that. Or or maybe their first movie, you know, uh, that, that, that has gone to mainstream audiences. In the case of Sean Baker, Sean Baker is more emblematic of the way it really is for most filmmakers. And most filmmakers would have given up by their third film. But Sean Baker did didn't give he up. Cracked out the iPhone. He cracked out instead of so after three feature films that that didn't do well. I mean, you know, they they kind of they got distribution, but no, none of us has ever heard of them. One of them is uh, Starlet is on Netflix right now. I haven't seen it. Is that a uh, short film though? No, no, that's oh, a feature. A yeah. Huh. Um, uh, he decided to keep going. He he basically and it's funny. I, I I like this part of the story is that uh, he decided to make. He was trying to make another film. I think he was trying to make the Flor- Florida Project and couldn't get funding for it. But he was in New Zealand um, showing Starlet and the and then he got to watch a lot of films because he was there for the New Zealand Film Festival, a festival I've been involved in and, and, and uh, you know, certainly visited being living in New Zealand. Um, and he he basically said, no, you know what? At most at this point, most filmmakers would give up, you know, like it, it's like, you know, I'm trying to get this other film going. It's not happening. So he called, uh, I think Jay or Mark Duplass, one of the two and said, Hey, uh, I, I remember you saying you'd want to produce one of my films one day. Is that true? And he was like, yeah, I would. And so he, he said, okay, I want to make this movie. And you know, the budgets that Jay and Mark Duplass play in aren't very high. Sure. Um, and he was like, okay, I can do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it on an iPhone. And, and he did, and he made it and it broke, it was the break, you know, the, the movie that he basically did to stop himself from giving up was the movie that finally broke him through. The guy's 46 years old now, and he's just made his kind of, you know, the Florida project is uh, arguably now uh, a bigger hit. It was, you know, it was financed off the back of trans uh, of uh, Tangerine, uh, off Tangerine, and um, and it's now kind of in the conversation for the Oscars. You know, it's it's in the it's in that that's where the conversation around it'll the get nominated part. for something. Like yeah. I mean, it may probably Willem Dafoe. I would say if if maybe nothing else, yeah. I think the kids are great in this movie. But I do too. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about the Florida Project? I can tell you what IMDb says about the Florida Project. <laughs> what does the IMDb say? What is the IMDb? <laughs> I, Internet Movie Database okay. is a website where you can go and learn all things about movies that have been made. Step one. Okay. okay. This is what they said about this movie. Set over one summer, the film follows a precocious six-year-old Mooney as she courts mischief and adventure with her ragtag playmates and bonds with her rebellious but caring mother, all while living in the shadows of Disney World. <laughs> I'm going to Disney That was actually a pretty good synopsis. It, that's an excellent horrible, synopsis. But um, the, only, the only part I would... Well, we're going to get into it a little bit more. I'm going to say it and we can go back to it when we get there. I would disagree with the rebellious but caring mother part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we'll get into it. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, I mean, for, as far as IMDb synopsis go yeah. or whatever, I don't even think they write it. I think publishers sort of put that in. Who knows? Uh, if you know, email us in. I'd be curious to know where all the stuff I read every week comes from. <laughs> uh, could be anywhere. So Annie, uh, had you seen any of, uh, had you seen Transparent or, uh, not, I keep calling it's it Transparent, tangerine. it's Tangerine. Transparent, very good, different very, show. Yeah, yeah. Excellent uh, show. No, I hadn't seen Tangerine, but I had like read about it and I read about the iPhone and also about the fact that he um, always hires like non-actors. Yeah. So yeah. like the lead in Tangerine had never acted before. Yeah. He just found her, I think like near Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd heard about it. I, I don't know why I never saw it. So that's, you know, <laughs> wasn't, I was intrigued when yeah. I heard about Florida Project. 
Okay. And, and I mean, uh, what did you, what, what drew you to seeing it? Like, because, and the reason I asked that <laughs> is this movie's not making a lot of money. It's right. no. barely showing. I mean, it's showing at a fair amount of theaters. 122. When I went to see it, there was maybe 10 people in the audience. Yes. 122 theaters yeah. nationwide. Despite being reviewed really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Despite, well, you know. I, so I was at the Toronto uh, International I'm Film sorry, Festival. I'm sorry, 112. Sorry. 112. I was at the Toronto International Film Festival. Oh, I saw look Mother. at you. Well, look that's at you. where I saw Mother. You saw everyone. Mother. So I saw and Mother this. instead of the Florida Project. Wow. Bad idea. There you go. But um, no, it got so much buzz there, and I wish I could have seen it, but I was only there for a couple of days. So when it was coming to the New York Film Festival, I wanted to see it. And I had read about it. And even like that synopsis, it just sounds like, oh, like an interesting movie. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, Willem Dafoe's great and, you know, good reviews. So that's kind of what drew me to wanting to go check it out. Like I, a lot of people were saying it was one of their most, um, the most enjoyable movies that they saw at TIFF. Okay. So. What uh, what brought you there? By the way, did you just go because you wanted to go? Was it through work? Was it through uh, producing no, it stuff? Ju- it was just me. I'm I live in Buffalo, so, so you're right so, there. So we're like right there. That's and, great. And um, my girl Alicia Vikander was there. Uh, oh, that's oh, you where you saw her picture. Yes, yes. yes. I got to meet her. Hey, exciting. can we can we talk real quick about okay. the Tomb Raider trailer? Uh, no, I will be back in March. Yeah. And- uh, <laughs> I, look, I haven't. I haven't watched this. I ha- I hope the movie's great. Yeah. I love the games. I love her. Everything should be in place. Mm. I'm a little worried due to the trailer. Yeah. Um. Oh, and 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 when the advertising for a film, this is a man, woman, anybody. Mm-hmm. When the advertising for the film focuses on look what good shape this actor got in for <laughs> to do these physical things. Yeah. But that's that, not in the trailer, though, is it? That's in uh, the advertising. That's what I'm saying. The film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's well, so I've seen did, the trailer, yeah, and then I've only that. seen spots talking about how how buff she got, yeah. and how much training they, she they did. They did a behind the scenes kind of of yeah. But I guess but like would, TV commercials are doing that. Oh really? Yeah. See, I haven't seen that, but I I feel like you know they always do those behind the scenes when guys get yeah. When guys get buff, when it, for every I, Marvel movie, yeah. that's that's like the, her, but they don't they don't advertise it on like for television spots about like uh, look how good shape Robert I've Downey seen, Jr. I've, is. I've in. seen Chris Hemsworth vid- like workout videos surrounding the Thor Ragnarok release, right on on YouTube. I'm talking about in their mainstream like like narrative on news shows and like all this other shit. Well, I, no, because because women don't usually get that buff, so I feel like news shows. I don't think it's on like I I mean as a huge fan, I would know if it was like you right know, before a CW show. They but the but I just I whenever I see it whether it's a man or a woman. Mm. I'm just yeah. saying. And if I, almost I, anything, I'm like, well, shouldn't we be talking about how good the movie is? <laughs> yeah. No, no, we don't need to talk about that. No. <laughs> um, I mean, the last time I remember that being big was G.I. Jane with um, oh, yeah, Demi, Moore. Uh, Demi Moore. I remember that yeah. was, they made a big deal out of A, yeah. her shaving her head, B, and she, then getting all buff. Yeah. All buff. Right. Anyway, back to the Florida Project. I'm not we'll be worried back. about it. We'll be back not, in March. not worried about Tomb Raider in <laughs> the slightest. You're, you're not worried about it? Why would I, why do I, would I worry about it? I mean, just in general, you would you look at the net title and say it's going to be garbage anyway. No, I like the, I like the games. <laughs> I play the games. I like them. Then you I, should be worried. Why would I be worried? Just why be, just why worry stri- a little bit? Why stress yourself just out unnecessarily? Out <laughs> this is why he yells so it, much. It, what was it? The Wave that movie? It's the same mm. director. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. The Wave looks yeah. great. Yeah. I, I, the Wave is on Thor, Netflix. Right? Thor Rogue. I don't know. Yeah. Some weird name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a sweet uh, Swedish or Never Norwegian yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, Matt, what did you think of the Florida Project? Because this was a film that. I asked you to. Yeah, say yeah, it. which yeah. is fine. Uh, it's, it's, I like it when you do that. Uh, <laughs> the I think it was. I mean, for for the how do I put it? I guess I just call it a very good uh, uh, film in the quote slice of life unquote genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> slice of life. It is. I mean, because it's it it has a weird truthiness to it. A, re- a, a reality 
esque feel to it. These are these are obviously it's not a documentary, but it's presented in such a way that and the acting is is so uh, real from the actors and from the non actors alike. Uh, it 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 feels very present and it feels very alive and and correct to the to the thing it's portraying. Um, so I really did enjoy it. In fact, the the a small praise I will I will put upon it is uh, I went to the movie theater and I bought my five dollar water, five dollars <laughs> uh, seventeen cents. Uh, AMC, you have a wonderful business model. Um, the uh, but the, but then I had forgotten by the time the film was over to crack my water, and I feel like it had engrossed me from the very beginning. Where normally I'd like start my my drink or like whatever, and it, this movie I was wow. like I got up to leave and I was like, oh yeah, I bought that five dollar fucking water. <laughs> uh, so I did. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it, it, you know the the I, I'm I'm always fascinated with the darker side of Disney from the from the corporate <laughs> Ooh, side, yeah. <laughs> uh, not just the Cruella Deville or uh, Maleficent esque. I'm talking about the the damage that it leaves in its corporate wake, uh, and this speaks to that fairly directly, uh, indirectly at first, and then yeah. sort of really forward it. Um, and I uh, oh and I and I liked it because uh, I, again I went into this very cold very Shahir esque didn't watch a trailer didn't do anything uh, one thing I read about after the fact was that Baker had said he dedicated this film to the little rascals oh the yes. little, okay because the little rascals took the charm and fun of being impoverished during the Great Depression and made it like enjoyable and there are moments of enjoyability in this downtrodden and, and in a current 2017 America um, that are very childlike and very sort of there's still wonder in these kids even though they're in not the best situations very bad situations uh, last thing I'll say is I okay so I saw this movie in the afternoon mm-hmm. okay uh, because I'm currently between gigs and I love afternoon city audiences it was it probably maybe had like 25 people in it all like were they old 50s or higher (laughs) yeah and after it i just sat because it's quiet there's not like booming music at the end and i sat and i just wanted to be like okay i want to listen to what everyone thought of this (laughs) so here are some things that i overheard that i wrote down as quickly as i could type them uh from a general audience at uh from a 1245 showing uh at uh up uh, uh the amc or the lowe's 13 uh uptown in New York City. Uh, this is one. Oh, well, such is life. <laughs> okay, great. Another one is, uh, it's such a slog to watch stuff like that. Have you seen American Honey? Oh, Someone said that. Yeah. Uh, and they said, it's such a sad commentary about our country. Uh, then someone else said, uh, well, that was two hours of bad parenting examples. <laughs> and then finally, it said, it's so sad, but what are you going to do? Okay. They all seem about the same. They yeah. all seem about the same. Um, and I just, cause this movie, I feel like, and we'll get into a debate maybe about that too. It's point is to shine a light at this. What's ha- sort of happening currently with people in this socioeconomic bracket in Florida, in the shadow of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I love slash despise these reactions of just like, Oh God, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Are we leaving? Sweet. Like it was just a very, like, it got me thinking about this style of filmmaking. Right. And like, what, what's the point and can it do good? What is the style of filmmaking? Uh, slice of life. Sort of let's look at a, let's take a downtrodden yeah, what's an example. Uh, what's a, what's uh, well, American a- honey is another one. Like mm-hmm. they even brought up, uh, just sort of I'm, let's, I, I, I'll use the word impoverished, uh, mm-hmm. taking a look, a very realistic, dramatic look mm-hmm. at an impoverished, uh, uh, you know, circ, uh, you know, quality of society and, um, and turning it into an emotional P 
piece of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, is it, and why do we make these sort of films? It's almost, it's a little bit like our war movie conversation, Mm -hmm. uh, because we're taking something that at its core, even though there's many moments of levity and like real reality, uh, but it's taking suffering of people Mm -hmm. and turning it into drama to be ingested as entertainment. Is it also shedding a light? I think it is. I think there actually, there, there is too. And I hope that's the case. I just, I, I'm, I've never heard of any of these type of films being like, and then more, more help came to these people. Like uh, it's so I think that's a noble sort of cause, but I'm just wondering if you, and if you guys know examples, I would love to hear them. If there's any example of like taking a film that turns for lack of a better term, this is not what this film is doing, but slightly tertiarily it is turning suffering of people into sort of an entertaining two and a, some change hours. Yeah. I mean, but it, but it is not, there it's are not a documentary though. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 oh, l- yeah. so the most famous one I could think of recently is Slumdog Millionaire taking mm-hmm. the look at impoverished. Uh, uh, and that children. helped. And that helped the, I, I'm I, well, I guess what my question to you is, is, is for you to answer that question for yourself. Do you find value in it? Uh, I find I, I enjoyed my time in the theater, mm-hmm. but like, I guess it's, 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 uh, it's that question of, should I be enjoying my time in this theater? That, yes. It shows great human elements and I, whatnot. I, I mean, but beyond, you know, asking the broader philosophical question of, of that, I mean, did you enjoy your time in the movie? Yeah, did yeah, you, did yeah. you find it to be but is, yes, I did. enriching? But did is you that, find it to is, be valuable? Is that also exploitative? Exploitative? Exploitative. Yeah. yeah. But like I said, it's not a documentary. So these no, are, no, no. you know, uh, people, but, but the idea of yeah. It, yeah, this is really going on that, you know, yeah. in Florida. And I'm not saying projects. that's how I feel about it. I just, yeah. it got me thinking about it because it was a lot of like in the audience, like I had said, it's like, oh, that's too bad. Oh, what are we getting for lunch? Right. Like it was just like in one ear suffering out the other. Oh, that was a movie. But like, yeah. I get, I bet you the filmmaker was trying to really shine a light. Well, I, when I watched it at um, the New York Film Festival, uh, Sean Baker was there for mm. a Q&A afterwards. And he did say that, you know, someone asked that question, um, mm. like, what is, you know, Orlando doing it? I guess there is like a very big um, initiative to try to help these families out yeah. in a different way. Because it's not, they're not getting any help. They're Because they're these not motel homeless, projects. but yeah, they're, exactly. they are without permanent residence. Yeah. 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 So, it, you know, I think there, it might've started before he did the movie, yeah. Sure, but you know, he said that that is like, you know, something they're trying to do down in Orlando. So. I want to keep up with the, with the story of this film and mm-hmm. sort of see, because again, I, I, I don't know if I have a problem with it either way, no matter where it falls, but it's just something to think about in uh, sort of akin to our war, yeah. our war, uh, yeah, our war, war, topic. Co- war yeah. film conversation. So Annie, yeah. what did you think of the film uh, just overall? Overall, I mean, I, Matt had a good word for it, engrossed. Like, I was just engrossed from yeah. the beginning to the end. Yeah. Um, again, there was something I didn't know about these, you know, mm. projects in yeah. Florida. So yeah. it was interesting. And I always, like, I don't know, like, just seeing little kids like that, like you said, the little rascals, it was just so f- great in that horrible world to see these kids just having so much fun yeah. just being kids. And I feel like they could be more kids than kids can in suburbia when they have, yeah. you know, electronics and things like that. They're making up fun. <laughs> and, you know, so it was just, it was, you know, it, I feel like I smiled a lot, even yeah. though there was some, some bad, you know, a lot of bad in the movie as well, but no, I just, I loved it. And I loved like, 
Willem Dafoe's character and how yeah. he like mm-hmm. embraced these families. I mean, you know, he's a I de facto did, father for these. Yeah, yeah, father. yeah. he was. And, you know, obviously it wasn't a perfect film, but I really, really enjoyed it. I feel like I, you know, when I saw it, I think at that point, I haven't seen something that I just enjoyed that much mm-hmm. from everything. Like I love the cinematography. I love the colors. Oh, and yeah. like yeah. It was just, you know, that, that world. I felt like I fell in love with the world. I, so I was, this is a, and this is a film that was actually shot on 35 mil, uh, which is something right. that doesn't happen a lot anymore by Alex Zabby, uh, who's a great cinematographer who's worked locked with uh, Carlos Rodeas uh, and he did this beautiful film called Silent Light many years ago and, uh, and another one called Te- uh, Post Tannenbrau Lux uh, incredible cinematographer mm-hmm. and a really good match of cinematography to filmmaker as well because I think what I liked about from the cinematography point of view was that it really embraced the world in which these families and you know kids lived in but it didn't impose a style on it despite being quite formal yeah it really like it walked this really fine line of like at some points I was like, this is kind of like a Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. But then at other points I was like, no, they're just really just like framing up uh, just what's in front of them in a really nice way and yeah. not exploiting it too much and not like, not like imposing something on top of it. It just really felt like it was embracing what was there. It, yeah. And 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 it, have you guys ever been to route one ninety two uh, outside of outside where this movie, this movie takes place at basically motels outside of Disneyland on route one ninety two I believe and they're all US named after like Disney yeah, Disney yeah magic. theirs is the magic the magic castle in yeah yeah uh, to which some characters of the movie as I'm sure a many Brazilian people family yeah, yeah uh, think they're couple. getting booking uh, their their honeymoon at Disney World <laughs> but oh no they are yeah. at a pink cinder block no. palace but I've never been there uh, I have mm. I've been I've been to Disney World a couple times I've stayed on that strip once mm-hmm. uh like it's it, it's funny because you you when i stayed there i was like oh this is kind of like it was younger yeah. so i was like oh this is kind of seedy i don't really know what's going on and then the other times where i've driven by it you just see like that wizard place where the mm-hmm. they, they walk by a lot of like kitschy sort of um tourist trap shops um uh there's one with a giant wizard and there's one shaped like an orange and the, you know all this sort of stuff you just see them going by and you think to yourself, who goes there? Right. right. Who stays at the, you know, whatever. And it's, and it's, it seems like this film has given me that answer, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I never would have thought of otherwise, which is a, a point in the, I think this is a great, uh, a great sort of uh, slice of like, look, look into that sort of thing for it. I think a point against it is now what happens when people know about it. You know, not against the film. I'm sorry. Just it's, it's against almost society. Yeah. <laughs> We're against right. society. Yeah. And, and, and real quick, as you were saying, it was shot on 35 millimeter. looks great. But his last film was shot on an iPhone. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just curious what you guys think about that whole debate, you know, <laughs> digital versus film, because it's, it's weird to go from one to the other. And some people, you know, are totally against digital. Yeah. And I would imagine iPhones would be like completely out the window. Someone like Christopher Nolan would be like, <laughs> no fucking way. You yeah. Know? But Steven Soderbergh, for example, has a film uh, shot on iPhone that's coming up soon. Uh, I, your look, crush. Yeah. My, my yeah. man crush. Yeah. My director man crush. I have a lot of those. Um, uh, I I've shot both on film and on uh, digital and I, I gotta be honest with you. I feel like the debate is um, I don't think it's manufactured. Cause I think the people who are like proponents of, of film, you know, people like Quentin Tarantino, uh, Christopher Nolan are passionate about film and they're passionate because film is embodies um 
something characteristically unique about their experience of film, which is that film is a live film, like breathes, you know, that like it has imperfections, it, it does things. And it, and also when you're filming on film, your, your process is entirely different to when you're shooting on digital, when you're filming on film, you know, you know, you've got like 10 rolls of film and you, so you can't like keep rolling takes and yeah. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've also shot on digital and I find digital beautiful and, and freeing in that sense that, you know, like if I've got an Alexa, you know, like the only limitation to how many takes I can do is like, how much hard drive space I have, yeah. which I can yeah. reformat, you know, um, I, I, I think it's it, like for me personally, if I could shoot on film, I would have to make uh, an economic case for it. Mm -hmm. And if I could shoot on digital, I would make an economic case for that. So it's, it's, it really comes down to that. There are aesthetic differences. Um, and, and more noticeably now that you have to make, like, I think 10 years ago, you had to make the conscious decision to shoot on film today you'd have to make the conscious, uh, sorry, the conscious decision to shoot on digital. digital today. You have to make the conscious decision to shoot on film because it's more economically unfavorable to shoot on film. But there's a, there's a textural quality to film that, you know, you don't get with digital. I don't know. Here's That's my, me. here's my thing. Uh, any artist or craftsman or woman or person, uh, should be any skilled one. I should say <laughs> should know what tool is the best for whatever job or art they are creating. There are pros and cons that you hear just laid out to sort of both. Uh, the monetary is, is obviously a factor because we live in the real world, but I always have a problem with people, especially people that are entrenched in an industry or a style of something that are just like, no, that I do a and B is yeah. garbage because <laughs> right. of this, this, and this it's like, well, no, maybe a works better for the style of thing you do. And that's entirely, it could be a hundred percent true, but to, but, uh, but the sort of staunch debate and cheer actually kind of said how it, some of it might be manufactured just sort of in the, the buzz industry or whatever. Um, when you get married to a tool, you are no longer being a, uh, as good of a craftsperson or artist that you could be. So I'm for whatever, uh, format, uh, works best for whatever project someone, myself, anyone is making. I think they're all, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely cornucopia of, of tools you great. can use to make yeah, films. Sorry for the side tangent. No, no, that's great. That's what you guys thought. So Shahir, yeah. what about you? What about, what did you think of the Flow Rider project? The Flow Rider project. I'm always up for Flow Rider. I got to tell you. Um, you are wearing your apple bottom jeans yeah. and your boots with the fur. Yeah. Yeah. And I drop it. Is it? No, that, he doesn't drop it to the floor. Somebody else does. Yeah, Who drops it to the floor? I mean, he might. He gets low. Welcome to his house. Flow Rider? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Welcome to his house. I wanted to do this film for a couple of reasons. First off, I, um, I wanted to do it because I wanted to see a film in the movies at, at the theater that was emotionally resonant. That's blatantly what I, what I wanted. I, I want to go into a movie and I want to feel stuff. Um, that's why I emotions go off screen, not like other people. Uh, I mean, I try to, you know, I try to keep my hands to myself, but sometimes you got to do what Can't you got to do. <laughs> <hands> to <myself. laughs> um, so I wanted to see a film like this. And, and, and I got to say, this was actually a, um, a profound experience for me because I'm, I'm working on a couple of projects right now um, where I feel like, the the conceit or the concept takes precedence over the emotional authenticity of what we're doing and and what i mean by that that's is a challenge it's a challenge and what i mean by that is is uh you know with a couple of the other projects i do like automatica and cymatics which are very technical projects um there's always a push for me to do projects that are kind of conceptually big you know and 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 uh, you know focus on that whereas uh, the thing that i was like when I watched this and I was thinking about it a lot it was like, Oh, you know what? 
it's such bullshit that I spend so much time thinking about like, oh, is the concept something someone will buy versus like just being true to the actual material. And what I, so what I loved about this movie was that it felt without a doubt, hundred percent authentic, even though I don't know this world very well. Um, I have been to Disney, Disney world in Florida, um, stayed at, uh, sort of a, a nicer hotel. You stayed in the mouse's house? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> and, and I, and I, you know, kind of have never seen this, but, 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 you know, like I have thought about the, the, the economic consequences of conglomeration. So the economic consequences of, of companies, coming to, you know, forming and basically taking over an entire industry and what it leaves behind in its wake. And, uh, and in Disney's case, an entire region. Entire oh, yeah. re- and, and arguably you could it's say a it's city. a city. Well, arguably you could say it's a metaphor for the film industry itself as well. Uh, you know, Ooh. the Marvel. No, no more metaphors. Yeah. 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 Oh uh, yeah. And he hates metaphors. <laughs> There's no more metaphors in this room until this is over. But what I, what I, what I actually really loved about, you know, I think that question that you're asking about, uh, does the film take on an exploitative quality because it's demonstrated a, 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 um, a, a community which is, is uh, impoverished in some way is that I, I don't think it does. I think, I think fundamentally this film really uh, is out to just explore what happens on the fringes of a, of, of a society, but it doesn't even, even saying it like framing it like the way I've just framed it doesn't encapsulate what this film is, which is that it's a really good character piece about these, these three children and the adults around them. And I think, I think it does a really wonderful job of say, of, of showing that even when children are in peril and people are there to care for them, there is an inherent danger because of the way society has fractured itself. Like there is no, um, there is no, safety net for these people that really effectively works for what the problem is here. The problem is, 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 is not only a fundamental, um, lack of, of quality services, you know, like, like, um, uh, food services, health services, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, educational services. Um, but it, but it's what happens when, for example, you know, uh, an industry comes into town and isn't there to like look after everyone around it, despite sweeping up everyone that's there. You know, like we live in Astoria right now, and Astoria is a uh, is about is one of the potential sites for uh, Amazon Second HQ. And and I have to wonder, you know, Astoria is made up of a lot of uh, mom and pop kind of you know family owned businesses. And what happens to every industry in this community when something like that happens, you know, obviously there's an economic reason for wanting to, to have Disney move into Florida, but what happens to every industry around it? And, but at the heart of all of that, it's just a lovely, lovely t- um, tale of, of childhood. It's a lovely tale of, of a family and of childhood and of growing up and of seeing the cracks in both sides of that, you know, like where children go wrong and where adults go wrong and the reasons they go wrong. It's interesting. And, sorry. The, the lovely tale thing. I think it's an honest tale. I, I, I there's yeah, I lovely honest. moments, but there, I wouldn't call this, this, the film itself, because it, 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 it edges on that, like uh, the childlike wonderment thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 it dances on the knife edge of what I, if I would call it a lovely well, thing. So for me, you know, uh, the things that I found lovely, a little, what, what's also kind of really impressive about uh, Sean Baker and this film and his co-writer, by the way, um, Chris, uh, Chris Berger, Chris Berger, 
um, is that is that they have the confidence in their audience to just let scenes play out. Yes. They don't have like major narrative consequence. And yeah. so when I say lovely, the things that I found lovely are Mooney and her friend going out and finding a cow paddock. And just the, the safari si- moment. Yeah. And it's just like this beautiful little moment where it has no narrative consequence. No. It's just this lovely little moment of, of like true beauty. Like they're sitting on this tree and they say, why do you, you know, uh, Mooney says, you know, why I love this tree is that it's been cut down and it still keeps growing. It's just a lovely little moment. And, yeah. and, and even, even, you know, like uh, there was a comment that one of your uh, people at the end of the movie said, which was like, that is an example of bad parenting. Uh, it reminds me of this film. Uh, Nobody knows this Japanese movie um, by Harazuku Karida. Um, the film is called nobody knows or nobody knows the movie. You're no, right. the film is called nobody knows. <laughs> gotcha. Both, uh, it's a, that if you liked this film, you must seek that film out. It's, it's absolutely um, amazing. Um, is, is that it, it demonstrates no matter how bad a parent is in some cases, the parent is needed by the child, you know, whether they realize it or not. And, and like, there's a scene in this movie where, where Mooney and Haley, uh, the mother, um, run out in the rain and, and just basically just have this like lovely moment out in the rain where they're just playing together. And I was just like, she just needs her, you know, like I know she's the, t- she's not a very good mother and she's like, it, all of her choices are, are bad choices, but she just needs her. And, and this, you know, like what, what's great about this film is it does, it doesn't have strike a judgmental tone about no, that. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't feel like does. they're actually being judgmental about no, what this character is. It's the just showing that doesn't. Okay. Uh, but there's no way I, I, this, this brings into my main point about this movie. So, uh, you know, we're going to get into spoilers at this point. Cause I'll need to do examples and whatnot, but I have a big, bold letters in my first thought sort of thing, nurturing love versus responsible love. Okay. Now the, the rain moment is lovely. And, mm. and, and this is a daughter bonding with her mother in a very, you know, nice moment. And there's, there's an emotional connection there. And when you say, uh, Mooney needs Haley, uh, even despite this thing, I disagree. Mooney needs somebody who will be in that role as a as a sort of uh, a, a nurturing love moment like that, but also a responsible uh, taking responsibility for the child that they brought into the world. I had a hard time watching this film. Um, and, and please keep in mind, I know my opinions come from a place of privilege and 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 all of that jazz. Uh, but I've I've known people who uh, who have not come from that sort of that that the same places that I have that are still that still fall into both of these categories of love when it comes to parenting and even caring for their friends and family. Um, I had a very hard time even getting behind those moments where it's supposed to be happy of a mother and a daughter because I'm like I'm I'm just thinking to Haley I'm just like you you're awful. Like you're taking, you want all the good moments from everything in life, but you're not doing anything to sort of, uh, to better this, the life of the person you're supposed to care about the most. Yeah. And I would say like my, the thing that I didn't like about the film was actually Haley, the mother. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so all the kids, Haley, her friend, none of them were actors. And I feel like you couldn't tell these kids were like, so great. So anytime the kids were together or the kids were with Willem Dafoe, I was just mesmerized. But anytime they were with Haley, that was my only, cause I just, was it the character or the actor? I think it was the actor. Really? Okay. I I, thought it was the character. I thought she did a great job portraying that. But then I saw her after Mm. and that's her. That's her. Right. So she, she was cast off Instagram, by yeah, the way. She was yeah. cast off Instagram. Instagram. She's a, I believe a Brooklyn native. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so her it, name, sorry, is a uh, Bria 
Fanate. Yeah. So that that was my only thing. When they were together, I didn't feel that connection. I almost the whole time wanted to be like, I hope Mooney could get <laughs> go to a different family. Yeah. Right. You know, so that was, you know, but like I said, when they were with the kids together, mm. like they were just such these honest moments and 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 again, Willem, like, you know, and I knew they were improvising and you could just tell, like, yeah. you know. And I- and I take those moments of the, I keep going, let's go with the rain moment or when she takes them to the fireworks for their fr- her friend's yeah. birthday. Yeah. It's, it's, it came, it comes off to me as a little Stockholm syndrome because <laughs> the child knows nothing else. The child knows this is my mom and my mom takes me to do fun stuff, but the child also doesn't realize that th- she's putting them, she's uh, ignoring them, putting them in a bathtub while she does questionable things with men mm-hmm. uh and and also just sort of uh even from a nutritional value sort of thing like <laughs> the food that she feeds her throughout this movie is absolutely terrible and again i know that's a socioeconomic thing but we never see Haley make any and and that that's a sort of a telling thing of the the the, the generational systemic you know sort mm-hmm. of roll down of all of these horrible things but Haley never does a thing to better Haley's life in any actual way emotionally yes once or twice there's moments um and and she she's not she's never um responsible enough in any proper way to make me like her as a character i do think this is and this is more of a credit to the director and to the casting uh casting the uh, this uh now actress in this role because you knew that was her and that's not a slight to her character that's just you know that's a 24 year old woman who is not an actress who has certain priorities in life and she portrayed those as only now if she had a kid so like uh it just it was um that's interesting because yeah. I think uh, the thing I guess maybe I walked away from it thinking about was what is Haley supposed to do? That's the question. Yeah, because because the thing is, is that she, you know, like the at that level of poverty, you know, your main concerns are primary needs like, OK, can I get thirty eight dollars mm-hmm. to pay my rent this week? So in order to do that, she goes out and she buys, you know, uh, perfume. cheap perfume and she sells it at a markup. That's kind of what everyone does. We all right. provide services at a markup. That's that's what our mm-hmm. you know lives are. Um, then you know we provide podcasts at a markup. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so we make it for zero dollars, and we're and charging one hundred twenty percent. Yeah, one hundred twenty percent of that. Zero. Um, and then you know, like her ability to do that is is not sustainable, obviously, because she's going to get run out. You know, and she loses some money doing that. So she turns to um, prostitution. Um, now, I, I guess my point is here is that I watch this and first off, I, I firmly believe the film doesn't make any judgment about that. The film doesn't, doesn't uh, like take a side on this because you know, there's an inevitability of to what happens to Haley towards the end of the film, but the film doesn't treat it as though like it's a moral lesson or anything like that. It just treats it like this is what happens in that scenario. It doesn't have to though. That's the interesting thing. How yeah. can it not be? What do you mean? How can it not be a moral lesson? It's I mean, mo- it, it, the, the film's not judging. You're never, the film's never saying, look at Haley. She's a fucking bad mother, but she's showing you, you all of the shit that she's doing bad that definitely in in my opinion outweighs the good it, it doesn't it's not but, like but, it's not spinning the character but it's not it's being sh- preachy it's yeah. not being preachy about it and it's also like you know the thing that i'm kind of thinking about here is that that uh, i think it, you know safe to say the three of us have never lived in that scenario of poverty yeah. where where you know like we may have gotten pregnant very young we may not have 
finished high school. We may be living without any financial social support around us. And our ability to comprehend and make choices is ultimately compromised. And, and that's what the, you know, that's what plays out. And it's what I think is, is, is lovely about the film is that it, it shows us moments of liberty within that backdrop, you know, like the whole film, Yes, this is not a good situation for anyone involved. But, but yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, she makes it for Brooklyn feel like it's yeah. like Brooklyn never knows. Yeah, you mean most, Mooney? Brooklyn yeah, is the actress she, playing yeah, Brooklyn, Mooney, Mooney, the yeah. daughter, six-year-old yeah. daughter in the film. Yeah, you you never feel like she thinks something's. You know, she she's having fun. Yeah. So. Well, she she does she doesn't until the moment of right. breaking points. Like for instance, so this is I want to go back to a little bit of film craft stuff, and we'll obviously circle back to these larger points. But the the moment when Haley decide is is pushed up against the wall and has to start um, turning to prostitution to get to make ends meet uh there are scenes leading up to that where it just shows like mooney rocking out in the bathtub Mm -hmm. and then a fun moment of levity and then mooney rocking out in the bathtub and then a fun moment of levity mooney rocking in the bathtub mom pays rent mooney's in the bathtub and then there's a moment on the third or fourth bathtub rockout scene where a random voiced man whose face you never see opens the door and they get into an argument you realize oh fuck all these scenes that we've been seeing mooney playing in the bathtub is where Haley puts her when she brings men back to the uh to to the room to turn tricks so like that to me is an amazing that actually speaks to what you sort of said you hear is the film does a lot of things like that where it does not like it never treats you as stupid yeah and it lets you sort of make your own calls and when that sort of hit me i was like oh no i was like oh yeah when i was watching it i was like god why are they doing you know these back yeah i wasn't picking it up at first it was was such a nice oh shit yeah yeah uh so kudos to everyone involved in that sort of aspect of the that might even have been an editing choice maybe at the point but no it felt a little too narrative i I felt like it was a a conscious decision to 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 you know, it's reflective of the entire movie. And, yeah. and one other thing about, I feel like movies where you kind of see this with, you know, mm. young, a uh, young mother in these uh, circumstances is she wasn't like a druggie, no. you know, like you kept yeah. on waiting. Like when you first saw her and she's kind of like haggard and, mm. you know, that mm. white trash and, you know, she smokes yeah. and drinks, but like, you know, you're waiting for, to see a needle in her arm or yeah. something. And that never happened. You know? I, I think the thing, the point I was making is that, she could be doing that in this film, but I don't think the film would be making a judgment call about it. It would just be yeah. saying, well, this is the world she lives in and this is the way we're going to portray it. And I, and I, and I, I just found that to be just a, you know, a lovely approach, you know, to like thinking about it. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately I, I think the film just kind of, I, I've been having this thing where recently where I've just been like, TV is doing things that I'm more interested in than most films. You know, most films are tending to to not work in some way or the other, whereas TV has this time and this sort of elongated story, you know, story time where it's it's like able to do complicated things. Sure. And and what I just loved about watching this movie is I felt like no, this is a film. This is mm-hmm. this is a this is the entire story of this movie, and this is all I need to see. And it's not not only is it doing that, it's telling. Uh, a complex layered story through, but, but making it look simple and elegant and lovely. And it has these like, you know, like moments of, of, uh, you know, there's moments of laughter, there's moments of joy, there's moments of like surprise in finding that there is humanity inside this community that I would have just dismissed on my drive to Disneyland. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what I found like really sort of touching about it is that it shines a light without being like, uh, a 
some movie of the week or a PSA mm-hmm. kind of thing or, 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 you know, like, or too preachy. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or too preachy. Exactly. So that's really where I landed on it. I, I will, I, I want to kind of, we're in spoilers now, but the, the final scene, you mean the scene shot on an iPhone? The, the scene shot on an iPhone. <laughs> he went back. You um, got to go back to your greatest hits. So what happens is is uh, Haley is obviously going to be separated from Mooney because of uh, child protective services, but not oh, uh, but not through f- not through yes through fault of her own, but through a sort of turn of events that start with. A fire. It's it's not like you know. It's not like people are seeing the neglect and and deciding to do something about it. It's because a sequence of events happen which causes another character to co- to to basically call child protective services on her as a vengeful tactic. Well, I don't know. So here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, this is the moment that Haley lost it all for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Real quick to sort of get people caught up if they haven't. But the bottom line is uh, the two kids, uh, Mooney and uh, Scooty. Yeah. Uh, was the name of the other kid? Yes. Yeah, uh, they go to these abandoned tenement buildings and they uh, they light a pillow on fire because Scooty's got a lighter with a naked lady on it. And they set that up. Right, well, funny. Cut to them running back being like, don't tell anybody this. This never happened. But well, there's a third kid, obviously, as well from the other hotel. Uh, and then uh, after I'm sure Scooty's mother, who's best friends with Haley, uh, gets it out of her son. She doesn't want uh, Scooty hanging out with Mooney anymore or whatever. And now that woman doesn't handle it well. I mean, you don't have, you have a conversation with your best friend of, in this in this in this uh, motel. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then after a while, after a bunch of passive aggressive stuff, uh, Haley decides uh, she gets fed up or whatever. And she goes down and confronts her and they get into a verbal altercation, which ends in Haley breaking <laughs> into her room, pinning her down and punching her in the face seven times. <laughs> now, at this point, I'm like, no matter if you've never hit your kid at all ever. You are not a fit parent. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why she's not a fit parent, but mm. but this moment in, for the film takes the cake for me because, and she does this in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, nuts. It, and, but that's and, after she told on her, right? And the, the no, no, no. That's no. why she told on her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, the thing, the so thing about this moment is that it it. It doesn't feel out of character for Haley to no, do No, no, no. But but the, look at the two different mothers. The yeah. mother that's getting her ass beat and the mother that's beating her ass. Yeah. Okay. They're both in the same socioeconomic right. thing in this film. One is doing everything as as correctly. At least we're, we're shown. Who knows what's going on in the background? We don't know. But we're shown her as like, look, she's in the same shitty situation, but she has a job. She works it hard. She she cares enough about her kid to be like, maybe we should not let the kids run around all the damn time. Yeah. So there's 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 that sort of, um you know, uh, you know, uh, responsible love that I was yeah. talking about before. Yeah, I and liked she's, her. Yeah. <laughs> and she's. Now then thanked for that by the, by the only the nerd, the natural love and the, the purely selfish Haley beating the shit out of her. Yeah. Now that to me, I, I, but I, but I had mad no at the movie for doing this. No, you, no, no, not at, at all. You're just mad at the character. I'm mad at the characters and, okay. and the ending of the film makes complete and total sense. It, it's the, it's the natural, but, but, terrifyingly sad progression of what should happen. But I, I guess I'm just sort of, uh, unsure about like, is this a negative against the film for you for, for this scene? No, it's a negative against, um, I guess the, 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 just the character. I don't know. It's not, I mean, but are you against characters doing? No, no, not at all. So wait, I, I guess I, what's, well, you were bringing up that moment 
in itself and you were saying how it, it well I guess we we were talking about before defending Haley's character a little bit as like a nurturing mother and I and No, and, I, I don't think I've, I I don't I wouldn't characterize her as a nurturing mother in any way. Okay, sorry. But but, sorry. but 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 what I would say is is that she's in a situation that I don't understand and I think the film is trying to illuminate for me wh- how she responds to that situation. Now, do you think a, the film ever wants you to feel bad for Haley? I th- I I do feel bad for Haley. In the like because of this film. Oh, see, I do not really. Oh, see, I still feel bad for. Even I feel. Though, even I feel very bad. I feel bad for the woman she beat the shit out of, and the people whose lives she hurts, and her daughter. I, but I, as a character, I feel no empathy for Haley. See, I still felt. Yeah. Yeah, I feel. I feel bad for Haley. I, I think Haley has emotional problems, and Haley is. Uh, you know, like I think the scene, the 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 most telling scene for me, which seemed. Which I think is a, just a, a really interesting scene is because it's, it's, the, there's this thing that happens towards the second half or maybe the last third of the movie where it settles into being a story about Haley and, and Mooney, you know, towards the beginning. Of yeah, because like, she's alienated all of the other main yeah. characters in the film. And then you start, what, what happens is you start to see at, uh, for me, what you start to see is like, Haley's just a kid. Like Haley's 21 years yeah. old. She's just yeah. a kid and she's got a six year old here and she's not emotionally equipped to deal with this situation. But the woman, and her best friend is also the same age and is emotionally equipped to deal with it. But some, maybe who knows what their background. Yeah, but also sure. some people you know? are emotionally equipped to deal with things and some people, yeah, are. Yeah. there are 40 year olds who are parents who are not emotionally equipped to deal with being a parent. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the scene that was most telling to me is the, 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 the scene in which she, she starts finally pushing William Defoe's buttons, Bobby's buttons. And she's like, you know, because uh, Bobby is trying to kick her out. Um, uh, but, he's but he, not trying to kick her out. That's the thing. He's not trying to kick her he, out. He does try to get rid of her from the hotel, but he but he offers her another alternative, uh, another hotel who doesn't want her. So he takes her back. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. Okay. What happened was there's laws where yeah. if you stay in a certain motel room for so long, you can claim residency. Right. His thing was you have to stay. He didn't want her out of his building. He'd grown accustomed to her. It was this weird sort of parental figure. he's not figure. allowed to have her in. But he's not allowed. So she has to stay she has to check out it for a night and then check back in. That's why they had to move the stuff and they, and he helped her move stuff back. Either, so, either way. He, and he went to the place that he's trying to set her up at when there was a problem and tried out, to fight yeah. for her. And she didn't. And, and that person didn't, that the other hotel didn't want yeah. her there. And so, but he, she finally pushes his button so far that he's like, look, I've had enough of this. I, I just can't deal with this. You know, like I, I want you, if you don't leave this room within three seconds, you're out of here. Yeah. And, and, and she walks out and then she run, she walks out, she grabs her, her sanitary pad and she slams it up against the window. And it's like the, the thing to me there is that that is the child's reaction. And, and, and that's the point at which I realized that Mooney and Haley aren't that much different from each other. No, I know. And I'm not, and, 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 and I, it's funny cause we're debating character. Well, like, I guess the, what we're debating is different aspects of humanity and where we sort of link up and where the three of us sort of feel yeah, bad for people or not. I didn't think of her as a kid there. I thought of her as like an asshole, right? You know, like that because, but, because but she's it, an emotionally sure. Stunted no, sure. Animals. And there yes, are reasons yes. in the past that this movie doesn't get into as to why she would be an yeah. emotionally stunted but, child asshole. But that like, I guess it's, it's that weird sort of place where at what age, I mean, I know legally, but at what age do we all accept people for uh, being in control of their own actions? Right. And Haley has a daughter. Haley, you know, in, the, in there, you know, she's obviously not doing it well. Yeah. But wh- when, when is it okay to dislike her or not feel bad for her? 
Right. I, I, I mean, I, and I don't know the full answers to that. That's, that's something that's. Yeah. And, and I think like, who knows like what happened right before it, was there a guy in their life that was taking care who, of them? Who's, who's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I just had some issues with the acting of right. Because I think if it was someone just a, that had a little bit more depth, I would have mm. felt more for her because I, cause she was that <laughs> character that you're like kind of hated, but mm. then you felt, you know, but yeah. I, that was the only thing to me, you know, because I, I liked her. And I think, I think yeah. she did a pretty good, it's weird because like, uh, what I like about William Defoe in this movie, for example, is I feel like, you know, like sometimes if you take non-actors and you put them up against a real pro Oscar nominated actor, like William Defoe, it's a, it's an intimidation factor. You know, like there's like, I've got to step up my game. It's like, you see it all the time with like, at when like late in Al Pacino's career, they would always like pair him up with a young actor. And it was like, who can out Pacino Pacino or like, <laughs> right. who can, who can do like, who can be a better actor than Pacino. And, and what I like about William Defoe in this film is I don't feel like he is like intimidating anybody. I think he is like this, this gentle figure that stand that, that, that even I think in rehearsals, even in casting of this film, I watched a couple of interviews with them and he's just like, you know, like he just laughs at the fact that none of them know who he is. And he's like, yeah, no, no, nobody knows who I am. And that, and that's totally fine. Yeah. He's not, he's He doesn't, he doesn't seem to bring an ego to it. And I think what I like about that is that, um, the actress playing Haley doesn't feel intimidated by him. And, and I feel like she's being authentic, you know, like, yeah. and I, I like, so I feel like she's just, you know, like when she does stutter her lines, when they do come across as unconvincing, it's not because, you know, like she's acting badly. It's just that that's who yeah. she is. Well, he just know? matches yeah. tone with everybody. He stayed in that hotel, I think for a week or two <laughs> before the film to sort of get the, the native dialect down and to just sort of people watch. He stayed yeah. there, uh, which is always good to do when you're, when, especially when you're a seasoned actor being paired with non-actors. Yeah. Being paired and, with kids. I mean, and talk about, I mean, Mooney was, I thought she was astounding. Oh, she's incredible. The little girl. The, 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 all three kids are incredible. Yeah. This is my question. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm being the negative. Again, I want to say, I like this movie. You should see <laughs> this movie. But th but there's there's interesting sort of like, because everyone's like, oh, these kids are so good. These kids are so good. Yeah. They're adorable kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that, for instance, a lot of it's ad-libbed, you can tell, which is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if, for instance, Mooney deserves... Uh, an Oscar nod no, because, because, but do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you weren't moved by her final scene. And I mean, she did fine, but I feel like it's just, that's literally like when kids are that young, they're just being kids. No, but I've seen plenty of movies yeah. where kids just, you're yeah. like, Oh my God. But I've I feel like that's less, kids I, I well feel as. like, well, I, the, the, don't take this the wrong <laughs> way, but I also do feel like that's casting and a director's sort of issue, but that's, that's but do you know what I mean? Like that's filmmaking. Yeah, I know. No, I know. But so you need to find the right people or child for the job. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I think that's because they're so young and not developed and don't have the work ethic that say an older person might have. You're literally just trying to cast a mood or a type of thing and whether or not, depending on where you're making the film or how much money you have to spend or who you can get. Like, uh, I, I think, I, I think, I think she does great, but also their casting department did great and the director did great. And it's but, not all hers. But a lot of times the casting director goes and finds child actors, yep. you yeah. know, or, and like you say, like money, I feel like I've seen plenty of big budget movies where you're like the, the kid killed it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? I've seen big movies and, where the and, kid and is when bad. These, when these three kids were in a scene, just going to get ice cream. <laughs> Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but when the kids were going to get ice cream, I was like, oh my God, I could just watch the three of them. Yeah. But I, that's, could just, I could kids, watch. That's just kids getting ice but, cream. But, but here's but the thing. Like, not every kid is good in a movie. Like, I think that's what you're trying to say, but, right? But this movie's tone, 
and the way it presents all of its yeah. characters is in such a natural light. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, literally the director probably said, okay, kids, you, now you're going to go up to those people and ask them for money. And you could probably say like, oh, you have, you have asthma. So you need ice cream go. And then they just did it because they're kids. And that's how a but kid would think- do it. I, I, I'm, I like I said, I've just seen too many bad kids on in film, you know, and, and like there are, there's a camera in their face. There are, you know? but I almost feel like that's an actor kid problem. And if you throw a real kid that's not shy in that role, they're yeah. just going to do great things. I mean, because all they have to I, do I just, is be I, a kid. But but would if so? Are you saying that any six year old that looked like this kid? could just do this film uh, with the right temperament and mm-hmm. the right that she has the same sort of, they, they brought right. them from the, from the, but from Orlando, they're Orlando natives. Yeah, I think a lot of these, isn't, um, I mean, isn't that like what, you know, like when, when good acting happens, it's, it's good actors be having the right temperament and being right for the role and training to be able to do it because the kids don't have the years of training to do this craft. Yeah. And, and it's not like, it's not like we're watching um, oh, a perfect example. I, I'm not a perfect example because it's not great. Great. But uh, the little girl who's in uh, Game of Thrones, who's like the head of that house. That's yeah. the, like the bear house or whatever. Yeah. The little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. she has a presence. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's silly because it's a fantasy world and whatnot. But like I've never watched her and been like, oh, I don't buy that. That little girl is acting. And that little girl is convincing me of this ridiculous thing. The, the counterpoint is these kids are convincing because they, I, they're not acting it's it's just they're being kids Ooh, this from this a, walk of this life is a, this it's is an interesting, interesting this is an interesting I, theoretical debate about what the what the role of performance is yeah and because and, this is this movie falls on that weird and it's and it's a and it's a space that i love yeah but that weird let's put real people in a film that's representing very closely real life but still a loosely scripted uh, narrative mm-hmm. like another again movie you gave me Shahir Umberto D mm-hmm. all right it's an old school uh, Italian neorealist film are you gonna say the dog is not acting no 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 the dog <laughs> is acting it's ass off it's tail yeah, excuse right. me uh, no but that none of those were actors yeah uh, and there's a certain there, there's so they're not acting in the movie some of them know and some of them it's it's almost like and again this could even go back to wow we're going a whole bunch of circles within circles it can go back to the audience's um, engagement and and how they feel when a thing is going on. There are people in Umberto D that I feel like, oh, that was a good performance. Mm-hmm. But then there's people like, oh, well, that's an actual nurse and she's just doing nursing things. Like, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that. But as far as when we get to sort of like heaping praise onto uh, onto people involved, I'm not saying they didn't have the right stuff for the thing, but it also could just be that they were the right the right natural fit for a job. I don't know. I, I usually, if if I saw if if I saw something that was going to be three kids yeah, kind of sure. starring in a film, I'd be like, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. And, but, and it's almost you know, but but I I did you know like I was like so surprised from beat one of them. But even look at this. Even look at this. Reason, the only reason I'm I'm kind of uh, I uh, pushing back against what you're saying is it sounds like what you're saying is that the kids didn't do any work. No, no, they did. Everyone did work. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not. But I, what I'm saying is work and acting are two different things. And also, I want to point out this before we started. And there's nothing wrong with this. I just want to kind of. I think this helps my point a little bit. You were both pulled out your iPhones and you were showing Annie your niece. I believe yeah. was yours and Shahir, your son yeah. doing cute kid stuff. Yeah. The, the cute kid stuff that your kids are doing is the same level of cute kid stuff that the kids do when with one another here's, in here's certain, the, here's the difference. I have no, uh, I have no confidence that my kid could do that on command repeatedly for a movie. 
Sure, but but then you at that I mean? point, like at that if, point I, if I asked them to is, do that scene ten times over and rehearse it and be an actor and hit marks and do it, I have no confidence that my well, kid he's can do he's that. what almost two. Yeah, but, so but, let's let's talk about the but, age but differences. There, but there's there's a level of life experience and there's a level of sort of whatever. And yes, is it, and that just becomes at what point is it acting and what point is it being well behaved and being told what you do because that's all you and that's what does an actor do? These are big <laughs> questions, I, I and I don't like have you, the answer. You know when you said you were circling around here, I just feel like we're just sitting here and you're circling around <laughs> this whole thing on I, your own. Uh, all, I don't think so. So, so um, you know, when I go home, mm. all my friends have kids and yeah. they're sure. like ranging from 11, probably mm. down to like three. And I would tell you, there's not one that I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah they, this could be a- I just feel like. But is it know, because they won't listen to, to direction or is it because they're I mean, not entertaining you, you, to watch? You mean they couldn't I, act? Is I that what you're saying? I don't know. Like I just, I just can't imagine them putting in a performance <laughs> like Mooney. Yeah. You know, like Mooney that depth, really- like, you know, she was crying on cue and really like, you know, even going at it with like, but you don't, the and the moment you don't that she think, has to like, you don't think that a kid could just like, you can't make a kid no, cry. Really? Not like hey, that. I, I mean, yeah, you can. Cause it's so natural. <laughs> it's so natural for the kid to cry. I, I, look, I'll only just put in my life experience here. I've, sure. I've directed a movie with four kids. Uh, the youngest one being 10 years old. It took us six months to find these kids. And, and that's it, different. The ages make a change. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I interrupted. I'm sorry. No. The the cast, you know, they're meant to be ten year old kids, sure. right? So, uh, you, I, I think by the logic of what you're saying is, I could go and find any ten year old kid, and if I filmed it correctly, they wouldn't need to perform. The, if the took, tone of your movie matches that entirely, yes. But isn't that kind of what acting in film is? You know, it's like finding the right people for the right job. Not and necessarily, and because picture someone else like in Willem Dafoe's role that didn't nail it as best as he did, like a, an actor. You know what I mean? Like right. Right, but he did, and and Mooney did, and I think we should like keep I'm, praise on Mooney I'm for not, being a good actor in this movie. There's just an interesting space, and I don't know what exactly the range is. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to take away from the work that Mooney did. It kind of sounds like you are. No, no, it really does because but, you're basically but it, saying but that she is. But she, is hold it on, it kind of sounds. Yeah, that's what you're saying is that she's not doing any. I guess work. what's the definition? I've never said that. What's the definition of acting? Acting, in, from my opinion, in this movie, mm-hmm. it is a fictional movie, which is where she's being told to convey emotions in a scene as directed by a director. And I think she's doing that, and she's doing it well to the point where not only is she convincing me of those emotions, I'm also seeing the depth behind those emotions and believing the the reality of the scene. Now, that's what I think she's doing. If and, if now, now this is such a hard thing to sort of to sort of I'm trying to think of an analogy to sort of bring it home, yeah. but like the. what what she's being asked to do is incredibly natural it's like asking water to be wet now now the container you put water in can vary and that's someone else's decision. Water doesn't decide what glass it but, goes but into. But she doesn't really live in, uh, you know, she 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 has a family. Like I, I read uh, okay. about her. So she she lives in Orlando, but she doesn't live in the project. Sure. You know what I mean? So she she goes to, you know, school and she's got friends. And she's got a big house. Her mom's, her mom's, I think her mom's like in some sort of entertainment, something. So, you know, it's not like she's just... Again, a kid from the streets. But yeah. this does but feel even like. If she was but a kid it does from the feel streets. like. It does feel mm-hmm. like because of the, her age. And this again is not a slight. I'm just saying because of her age, a lot of what she's able to do is natural. Whatever that is, it's Tom Cruise esque. It's yeah. Tom Cruise esque because we talked about before how Tom Cruise just but has that. Tom certain, Cruise is not a good actor. He's just natural. No, no, no. He's worked a shit ton to be that way. But yeah. he also has that boyish charmer. We forgive him for a lot of weird, weird random shit. But we're like, oh, Tom Cruise is so good because he's got that smile that when Look, he just looks I, at you. I would, so, I, so. I, 
I would be fine if you were just like, I didn't believe her in this scene. And I, I didn't, believed her hundred percent. But my question, and again, I, this is not, I, I'm more talking about like when we're talking, when we're heaping praise onto something. And, and again, when you put her up against, I, I don't, I can't think of an, an another child actor this year uh, that would be up in sort of that role for like a supporting actor or actress or whatever. But like, for instance, if you put Mooney up, she, she's the main character, would you say? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's, what's another uh, person of an actress that did amazing work this year? I don't know. Um, what, well, this is your analogy. You're going to have to give me someone. Here. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but let's, I mean, again, uh, Jennifer uh, Lawrence in Alicia, Mother. what if Alicia was in, uh, it for ex machina or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like who would you, who would you think would deserve the acting award more? How old was Anna Paquin when she got at the Oscar? She was, uh, 12. Pretty young, 12 or 11. Okay. I mean, what was it that the one girl, uh, Quavangeli? Yeah. 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 In, yeah, in, uh, a, in Beast of a Southern Wild, yeah. right? Probably, I never saw it, so I can't judge. She's like a year old. And she got nominated for an Oscar for that. Yeah, and she, she was an all year older than Moon. Yeah. She's yeah. astonishing in that yeah. movie. And she, she still has been acting. In yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Other I things. mean, the real, this is the real test. This is sort of what I'm saying. I'd love to see, uh, Brooklyn, the actress who, who is, is Mooney in this film, go on and do more stuff. I, yeah. I think there's a natural talent there that I feel like um, will will only get better if she continues. Yeah. But I, if, if we're putting her into a category of sort of best actress against people that- But I never said that. I don't think I any just, of us said that. Yeah. Well, there was, uh, people mentioned Oscar buzz and people mentioned all yeah, that stuff. I mean, yeah, that's what- That's, that's sort of what triggered me onto this. I'm sorry. I didn't, yeah. I, again, I think it's, I think we've talked about it too long and that's my fault. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, I, I find- I've, that, just, I've enjoyed watching you run around in circles on this. this I've, is like, no, I've had one point that you've not- been able to it's fine no, don't worry about it genuinely entertaining I, I just I left the film being like wow mm. I was really yeah. moved and you know um I enjoyed her performance yeah, yeah. and I'm and I and I did too and I and, yeah. and I was moved as well I was just sort of looking at the metatextual sort of thing behind that performance yeah or or where that performance comes from and and whatnot I didn't I didn't mm. think it would be this big of a thing <laughs> uh but let's get into I, final look, thoughts because well, we, we've well, been talking we've been talking we're an hour and 12 right now I just want I briefly before we did that I I kind of wanted to talk about the last scene because I think it's really important. To oh yes, that was how this started a half yeah. hour ago. The, the the last scene of the film, which is, uh, which is uh, uh, basically uh, Mooney and Haley are being separated. Uh, it's an it's an incredible kind of um, coordination of events that are happening. Like Mooney runs away, Haley is you know told to like you know pack up her things, and then the 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 child services has to come back and like try and get Haley to like help her with you know with uh, with her. Uh, the whole time Bobby is watching the whole event kind of transpire and he's trying to decide whether he should intervene or, you know, like how much can he intervene in the scenario? Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah, Bobby. Yeah. And um, Haley uh, uh, Mooney goes down to uh, to see her her friend. I've forgotten that actor's name. Uh, she was really great in this film as well. Um, Valeria Cotto, she plays J Jancy. Jancy. Um, and she's basically, she starts weeping. She says, I, you know, she's saying something along the lines of, I don't want this to end. I don't want this to be the end of this. I don't want this to, you know, like for us to, for, for, I don't want to go away. And, and suddenly the movie snaps into iPhone territory. You don't kind of notice it at first. Oh yeah, you do. It, I, I honestly, the first couple of shots, I was like, Oh, this, it's, it's kind of up iPhone footage. How did you not notice that? It, it didn't occur. It didn't look like it had changed that much as we went as it went further along. It did. Um, and then, and they run away and the music kind of swells. And suddenly we have this kind of almost Disney isk ending to this film. And I was like, and I was, and my first thought was that, that it took me out of the film and it took me out of the emotional moment that we were having with Mooney as she was basically, you know, realizing that she was going to be taken away from the world that she knows. Yep. But, 
But as I walked away and I thought about it, I was like, that's actually, it's a really bold ending. And it's, and it's, and the way I kind of read it is it's like a wonderful, almost act of mercy by the filmmaker at this point. It's like, it's like, no, we're not going to get into, we're not going to end this film with, with the most hopeless moment in this character's life. We're going to, even though that is inevitably what is happening here, Mm -hmm. we're going to give them this like uplifting moment and we're going to give them this like Disney moment. But he, he couches it in the artifice of shooting it on the iPhone and well, you know, because there's a practicality to like shooting at Disneyland. Yeah. He didn't get permission for that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, and he's, and he's, and he, and he purposefully puts a piece of music that has never appeared in this film, a style of music that has never appeared in this film. Um, so he really is like, sig- like this is not like a, a, a sort of just like, I'm just going to give them a happy ending thing. He's really saying, I'm going to give them a happy ending, but I want you to be conscious that I'm giving them a happy ending, not the, not the story itself. And I just thought, and, and I walked away going, that's just like a lovely moment, almost an act of mercy as a filmmaker to these characters. And it kind of like, it, it, it entrenched the idea that this was a non-judgmental film to me. Annie, what'd you think about that? Well, I, I wasn't sure if it was um, just their, you know, like their imagination. That was my whole thing. Like, <laughs> because you know, of the, did, because of the style change, yeah, the style, it's possible, you know, it probably so, was. Yeah. I so, so I, I took it as you know, yeah, yeah, I like that idea of, you know, mm-hmm. just like what, what they would imagine to be doing in that horrible, you know, yeah. she was in that horrible place. She was breaking down. She was going to lose her mm-hmm. mom, her friends. And, yeah. and I liked that they brought it to there as well, but I, it did snap me out for a second mm-hmm. until I kind of thought yeah. about it. more. Yeah. I, um, I was shocked that I loved the ending Yeah, because, and I loved it right away. And then I was like, oh man. And I was like, these type of endings I normally hate. But then I was like, no, it's not the same type of ending. And again, I go back to Lobster and I go back to all these movies I feel like don't stick the landing. The thing about this movie and the reason why that's okay, this is like Incredible Mercy that Shahir is talking about, I think is 100% accurate, is because this entire film sets you up to, it, there's an inevitability to this entire thing that's just going down. And so you already know all the ba- we've seen a lot of bad in this movie. So it's not masturbatory in that sort of like sense of just like, oh, let's keep shit. Not me to show horrible shit. Uh, it's now like, you know what's happening. Th- nothing's going to change that. Here's a wonderful moment that actually harkens back to the the nice things that occurred in this film having to do with childhood friendship and experiences, even though you're in horrible situations. And I, I really liked it because it was a definitive ending. Because again, you know, it's not like they got to Disney World and got to Cinderella's castle and we're free forever. Right. Like, you know, shit's going to come down the line, right. but you don't need to see it because the film did such a wonderful job setting you up to just know that's an inevitability uh, that she will be taken away from her mother. And I, I, I really like that they that they did that and the side metatextual sort of thing about filming in Disney which could be argued to have some uh, responsibility at play to why a lot of these people are impoverished right yeah. and you figure she's living around Disney never yeah probably, probably been never have been yeah. I mean how much so does it cost like, to go to Disneyland like 140 yeah really? and you yeah. figure like this is the very lowest she is and she's getting to do you know she's imagining yeah, you know, yeah. doing yeah. the best she gets to go know, to the Magic yeah. Castle and yeah. it's it's a, it's a lovely moment and, and it's weird because it's a lovely moment that that doesn't make you feel good as you're watching it, you know, like, because it's, it's, it made me feel good. It just kind of, <laughs> it's, it, 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 for me, it took me out of the moment we were already feeling. So it was kind of like, Oh, where are we now? And then it ended. And the thing that I thought was amazing in, in my screening, and maybe this was uh, the same for you as well, is that uh, everyone sat through the credits. 
everyone in my audience just sat through and just just sat still and like enjoyed the credits and were um, pretty quiet most of the time, but just were like, I, I just want to like sit here and soak in this experience. No, mine it, yeah. instantly started judging and fleeing the theater. <laughs> right. uh, there were two uh, older women who were having more of a heartfelt discussion in the back, but again, more still of the sentiment that I sort of said. But we didn't know that the kids were in the audience. Ah! So, so all of a sudden there was a spotlight, you know, yeah, and everyone yeah. was, you know, standing up and clapping for nice. them. Yeah. <laughs> that's not why I like the kids. I know. That. No, yeah. no, 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 of course. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that's those that our sort of talks about the ending also sort of encompass our feelings of the movie. We've all said we think you should see it. It, it mm-hmm. should get more eyes than I think it it did. Yeah. Uh, or it, it and it's probably going to be out of theaters soon, but that doesn't mean it can't find a new sort of life on either one of the streaming services or you know rentals or Redbox or. Yeah, any I that can't jazz. imagine anyone who likes film watching <laughs> it and not enjoying it. Yeah, you know? I, I can imagine cer- a certain trope yeah. of people. Uh, but that but who I enjoy don't film. Who, who enjoy certain types of film again like i'm i, I i'm it, it it is a uh it's a more inter- intimate character piece and i know people that if vin diesel isn't spewing catchphrases and cars right. aren't blowing up then they're not going to watch it and that's yeah. look then, then i would this is what i would say about those people is i don't think they actually enjoy film they enjoy a type of film I, they enjoy a specific type of film but i don't think they enjoy film well, then they do, based on your analogy, I mean, no, they enjoy, they enjoy a very Uh-oh. specific type of film, which is but, which is in the company of film. <laughs> they don't enjoy a wide variety of film. Yeah. There you go. This is next week's podcast. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film The Florida Project. Annie Gillies. Thank you so much oh, for yeah. coming and in. For, for I like it in here, I feel like. You well, know. you can come back. This is where the magic happens. Oh, this is the is. magic castle. You can Ooh. come back anytime. Never call it that. Uh, <laughs> are you going to come back for, are you going to come back for something before you need, Tomb Raider? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe if a mother two comes out. Mother two. Mother two. Oh, wow. oh my God. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back. The arc. Yeah. Well. No, they made a mother two. It was Noah's Ark. It was oh, the, yeah, the Noah, right, Noah yeah. film. Well, there actually that's kind of a mid prequel because it happens in the middle. Annie, when you are not producing fabulous television yourself, where can folks find you? I mean, I'm on Twitter and Instagram Gillis 20 but like you don't have to follow <laughs> why not why, Annie, why I want you to do that again <laughs> I want you to do it again and I want you to pitch yourself hard oh my god well if you want to see all of the Buffalo Bills score recaps yep. on Monday yep. you could follow me at Gillis 20 love uh, it yeah so that's where I am okay. I've got like maybe 400 fo- no no it's in the 300s that's a solid yeah. number though. Yeah. that's, yeah. that's like, great if you'd, say, if you'd said 20 followers yeah. I'd be like ooh maybe keep that quiet Instagram I might be about 800 really there you go yeah, that's way it's more than me wild and out you know when I post that stuff yeah uh, yeah people just start go. because yeah, they, know, they know they know they know the up. people behind yeah, DC Young Flies <laughs> yep. like yeah follow me there you go <laughs> pay attention to the woman behind the curtain <laughs> Shahir uh, when you are not debating the validity of child actors with me where can folks find you you can find me at shahirdowd.com that's S-H-A-H-I-R-D D-A-U-D.com. Uh, I will just go out on my Criterion collection just for a second here. If you really enjoyed um, uh, the Florida Project, I think a film that I saw this year that's available in the Criterion collection is The Kid with the Bike by the Dardenne Brothers. It's kind of the inverse of this film, which is that it has actually got a positive, happy spin to it, but it is equally as devastating and beautiful. Uh, please go see that film if you can. Matt, when you are uh, correcting my analogies about people, the subgroups and uh, cultures within film, where can people find you? Well, when I'm doing that, they can find me here on this podcast. But when I'm not <laughs> doing that, that uh, they can find me at Emperor MSK on Twitter, mm-hmm. Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram or www.matthewkroll. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Uh, and you can find us at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send all of your thoughts about the Florida Project or any other topic 
type of film related accoutrement. Also, uh, you can find us at Twitter at Only Movie Podcast and review us on iTunes. Please and thank you. We love your stars. Yeah, we do. I'm going to review this one. You're do it. You should review this one. Best guest ever. Andy Gillies is best guest ever. Signed, Andy Gillies. <laughs> at Twitter. <laughs> on uh, Twitter. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.